You are listening to Waffle, the bite-sized podcast with Paul Jenkins. First broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 14th of June 2020. This week, Paul talks to political campaigner James Frith about writing speeches for the Commons, his book about being a first-time member of Parliament, and the joys of getting to perform with his band at Glastonbury. The Frequency 104.7 The Area Rossendale Valley The Station Rossendale Radio Welcome to the Weekend Wind Down. If you're just joining us, it's Paul Jenkins here and it's time for our Waffle Hour. Now, this week, uh, I was uh, really, really pleased. Uh, to a good friend of mine, James Frith, uh, used to be the MP for Bury North. Uh, and as uh, as we all know, that things have changed around in the last few months. We had a bit of general election, things changed around. Uh, and uh, what was really nice about this interview that I did this afternoon is I was talking to a politician and not once did the politics of it get in the way of this particular conversation. Because I've always wanted to talk to James about you know the the ideas behind what he's doing in terms of speech writing and about how you go about writing a speech what it's like standing up in that chamber actually delivering it in front of all those people in the nation uh, and then on top of that just that, that kind of love of words he's published a book uh, in the and obviously that's very relevant to this show and on top of that I knew full well that he had an absolute love of music uh, and we're going to get onto his love of music particularly his experience with the Glastonbury Festival in the last part of the interview uh, and the very very best thing about this and i don't need to to go through it is that not once did the color of his badge come up uh, we didn't talk about political parties and we certainly didn't talk about which side of the fence anybody should be on uh, it's a it was a glorious interview to do and uh, and this is it Welcome to 104.7 Rossendale Radio. It's Paul Jenkins here for the Waffle Hour. And today I'm joined by political campaigner, former MP for Bury North, uh, James Frith. Can you hear me? Hi, Paul. Good to be with you. Uh, where, whereabouts are you this afternoon? I'm in my house, uh, as I think we all are, um, mostly, most of the time now. <laughs> um, and I'm uh, hoping to get enough time to talk to you uh, uninterrupted. <laughs> my four children who um, appear to have found some silence <laughs> in TV watching and uh, eating and playing on the swings. Right, we will crack on then because the, uh, the the babysitter's doing a fine job at the moment. Um, <laughs> now, I mentioned it just in my preamble there. You've obviously had uh, a, a very uh, a kind of roller coaster over the last five years or so. Um, and you're the former MP for Bury North. And uh, I wanted to talk to you, if I could, about, uh, because we talk about words on this show all the time, uh, about that, that kind of process of, particularly, you'll have had to make goodness knows how many speeches in different contexts and lots of public speaking work. Um, how, how would you go about that process of, of sort of writing a speech? Because you've, you've gone from everything probably from doing small little sort of community events right up to, you know, making that maiden speech in Parliament. How, does, how do you go about writing speeches for those different audiences? Um, it's a good question. It's a very enjoyable process. It's something I, I take a lot of enjoyment out of, um, including writing things like blogs or, or even tweets. Um, uh, I, I enjoy thinking about what it is I'm trying to say and, and conveying my point. Um, I'm perhaps sometimes guilty of using too many words when, when fewer words will do, which one of the reasons I like Twitter, actually, because it, it forces you to make the, the punch or the thrust of your argument within... A limited number of words uh, it was once it was once said to me by somebody who worked for me um 
what a sh- what a shame you don't come with a with a word with a word count <laughs> in this uh, in this life. Um, and so uh, yeah, that, that's uh, that's certainly something that I've um, uh, I've tried to uh, apply to my speech writing. Um, but no, I mean generally the, the topics of a speech are determined elsewhere, mm. um, particularly in Parliament, and you will uh, understand what the piece of legislation or the amendment to the legislation or um, the particular nature of the questions that you're going to be making a, a contribution or a question in that'll be determined there are those speeches where you get a far bigger chance broader chance to make a, a more varied argument and um, bring in your own personal view or um, experiences of, of your constituency um, and then there's the maiden speech which i think you and i discussed offline before and the maiden speech is very much like the debut album um, <laughs> because you you know you you kind of cram into it as much as you possibly can as to what what got you there in the first place which is very much like a, a debut album in my experience so um, that's the that's the sort of uh, where we come where I come at it but it's a very enjoyable process and I do like writing um, and I love I find great great comfort in words both both writing them and, and listening to them in in lyrics particularly. And and how how nerve wracking is it doing that that moment where you stand up for the first time in Parliament and say you know here I am I'm representing this you know, vast number of people and here are the things I want to say just uh, what what's that kind of feeling like for those because you know for most of us that will be something we never experience in life. Um, it was the, the set pieces was always something I've really enjoyed. You you tended to have written a speech and as the debate went on time allocated to the next contributor got smaller and smaller and those that had been there the least amount of time got the least amount of time um to do a speech so you'd perhaps go in with a five four five or four minute speech and it would end up needing to be three minutes by the time (laughs) you were you were called to to make the speech the set pieces were never an issue actually because you kind of knew what you wanted to say you'd rehearsed it and as you wrote it um you were pleased with it um, enough at least to, um, to put it into Hansard and on, on the record. Um, the harder thing, and, and certainly for me the more nerve-wracking thing, was the spontaneous point, um, which, which, was, which, will feel, which will come as a surprise, and did come as a surprise to people that worked with me and uh, friends and family when I talked about this, because actually the spontaneity is the kind of cut and thrust of argument that you grow up with, or you're in a pub, or you're at home having the debate whatever um and you make the point as you think of it but doing it in a way that in parliament where you you seek permission to intervene from the person speaking in order to make your point um in a, in a in an environment amongst peers in a really important place it does have a habit of, of dampening um your your confidence if you like or your belief in in the point you're going to make and one of the frustrating things of that was you know you sit there thinking yeah, yeah, that's the point I want to make, and <laughs> and, and you you kind of <clears throat> you 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 go to make it, and perhaps someone else gets called before you, and they make a similar point. And you think, damn, you know, <laughs> now what am I going to now what am I going to say? Um, and so, but but I'm always been somebody that I, I, I'm very happy not to say anything, um, as opposed to simply repeat what everybody else is saying. Um, I don't, I never felt obliged to contribute for the sake of it, um, and I think that's that's not a bad lesson. Um, in life, really, I think you've got to find the space at which you, w- that you're going to occupy uniquely, as opposed to simply being um, part of the part of the crowd. 
I think what we'll do is because we're, we're going to move on in the in the second part of the interview to talking about a, a particular book that you, you contributed to. Uh, and in that, there's a lot of uh, stuff about reform of, of, of Parliament in particular. So I think what we'll do is we'll take a quick break for um, uh, one of your music choices. Uh, first of all, now you've gone for uh, you've gone for an, an Oasis track. Now, anyone who listens to my show knows that we've got a policy on this show uh, of every time we play an Oasis track, we have to balance it with some blur as well. So I'll have to work some blur into the show later. Um, so. Uh, why have you gone for Cast No Shadow? Um, I think it's one of the best tracks on his latest um, album, which is the MTV Unplugged. Um, but I also love it because it's a it's an ode to Richard Ashcroft from Ver- The Verve. It's a song about Richard Ashcroft of The Verve. Um, and R- Richard Ashcroft was, was doing more ahead of Oasis and was writing some terrific stuff, but, but didn't quite get the recognition uh, Oasis came along and in their second album wrote a song called Cast No Shadow, which was a sort of love song, really, to a fellow songwriter um, who, who at the time of writing, hadn't been getting the recognition that they thought he deserved. And I, I've always liked that, um, that ability to admire somebody else's creative ability, even if they weren't in the spotlight or having the same level of spotlight. And, of course, around that same time, The Verve did finally break through with bittersweet symphony but there's a wonderful story um of liam gallagher being out drinking with richard ashcroft and he sees the verve's first manager and he goes up to him and says, you had history and you did nothing um <laughs> and his- history was one of the verve's very early songs which i i would urge i should have played it actually but perhaps you could perhaps you could balance out make an exception and balance out um uh, instead of blur play play history by the verve to balance it out um because liam gallagher thought it to be one of the best songs that was never really heard and uh, he accused verve's manager of failing failing in his in his tasks to have the world hear this song history by the verve um and so this song is a, a dedication to 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 their appreciation of richard ashcroft and cast no shadow is its name well i'm sure we can find uh, a bit of space for history later on but in, in the, for the time being here's cast no shadow Playing more of the songs you like. This is 104.7 Rossendale Radio. Welcome back to the Weekend Wind Down. I'm joined by James Frith, and we've been speaking in the first part of our interview about the, the process of making speeches in Parliament. But uh, but actually, James, you were a, a massive contributor to uh, a publication called New Brooms. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, um, thank you. I, I, so I was, in fact, the editor of the book and wrote uh, a piece for it um about parliamentary reform um in the first year of being a member of parliament um myself and a number of my 2017 intake um decided to put our reflections of our first year down in the form of a series of essays on how we might make the thing um that we've been elected to better and work better for the people we've been sent there to represent so a series of essays on parliamentary reform, which I appreciate may sound extremely exciting to a very narrow number of people <laughs> and extremely dull to a great number of others. Um, in, in reality, it's about making sure that Parliament works as best it can and actually moves with the times. And I think um, that would probably be a welcome step forward for a lot of people. It, yes, we need the celebration of history and, and an appreciation of of uh, context and parliament and it's it's um the mother of all parliaments as it's said but 
too often there's too there's there is too much process uh, over, and protocol over over product, um, not enough outcomes, and quite a lot of debate without actual delivery. Um, and that impatience that I brought to the role and the keenness to get things done uh, was why I thought, well, let's put a let's put a piece down in. Um, in the form of a, of, a, of a book. We got some funding for it from the Fabians and Round, the Roundtree Foundation and uh, published it, it um, launched it with, uh, with the speaker at, um, at the speaker's house. It was a very, it was a very um, enjoyable afternoon launching it and um, people came to uh, listen to the contributions that we've made. And, and one of the things that I that I took from it was that, I mean, a, a particularly necessity being the, the mother of invention. You, you've talked in the book, one of the things was, uh, to take an example, was uh, was about voting reform uh, and about things yes. like electronic voting and, and, and proxy voting and things like that. Well, of course, with the shutdown of the House during the, the lockdown, that became normal. Uh, Absolutely. All of a yeah. sudden, which which kind of shows that, that it really was. It wasn't necessarily you weren't sort of saying things that were completely out of uh, out of context or out of control. Do you think no. that? Do you think a lot of the things in the book are? are st- do you think st- things are starting to change? Or, or, or? yeah, I, I think you're right about necessity, and I think it also speaks to the fact that where there is a will, there's there is a way, and there is really no reason why um, uh, remote voting or tech enabled, tech assisted technological assisted um uh, voting shouldn't become a fixed point of parliament um i don't think it should replace it wholesale because there is a real value in uh being in the voting lobby particularly as a new mp because you you begin to get uh familiar with other people or introduced to friends of friends um, or indeed although it was pretty rare to be in the same um uh, lobby as as ministers, though it happened on on one or two occasions. You you were able to perhaps you know buttonhole them and say, hey, you know, um, what about this? Or can can I come and see you about this? And that was always very useful. Um, but yeah, I do see that there being some changes and some necessary changes as a result of this very difficult time. Um, history teaches us when things happen, um, uh, negative when negative things happen, that positive change can come from it. Um, I'm thinking, obviously, the, the the women's right to vote and the the place of women in the in the in the economy after the Second World War, for example, having having um, depended so much on domestic uh, work um, workers, rather um, female workers, during the Second World War, for example. So I hope very much it'll it'll whet the appetite for modern reform. The book itself. Um, we covered everything from um, a kind of thought for the day, replacing the prayers, the traditional prayers, or at least a representation of the mixed faiths or no, or no faith being um, a feature. Um, voting, we talked about, um, we talked about changing the, the working week or the parliamentary year so that MPs could spend the first half of the week in the constituency rather than the end of the week in the constituency. So you've got access to a different range of events taking place in in the, in the town that you represent yeah. we uh what else do we do oh baby leave obviously which is part of, of proxy voting which has since come has since come in and yeah whole whole range besides but it's free freely available to download if you if you just google new brooms parliamentary reform or new brooms and my name it'll come up 
Well, I was going to say that one of the things as well is that you you, you chose the people that were it was the new intake from 2017 that, that that contributed to the book, and I and I find that quite fascinating as well. In that uh, they, they say it sort of takes you at least six months to kind of understand even the processes of how Parliament works. Did you did you look to some of the more experienced members in the House to to kind of guide you through that? Yeah, I mean, one of the contributions actually was to to in, have a, a better. Um, induction you are very much given um your pass and told to get on with it or, or expected <laughs> to get on with it so you do spend the first few months at least frankly uh, learning not just the protocols but the language of the place and um the various things that uh, um uh, you need to do in order to you know qualify to get a question answered for example um so yes there needs to be a better induction process and that was one of the contributions that was that was recommended okay well just uh, again uh, just uh, coming up to some music uh, now then the next song title you've given me is almost as long as uh, as some of <laughs> as some of your speeches quite frankly it's, it's it's called when the god of love returns there'll be hell to pay and that's that's quite ominous <laughs> it is um it's, I mean, look, it's, it's one of the most spectacular, wordy songs that I could think of. Um, <laughs> it also speaks to a number of my own interests, which is, uh, it's, it's a slightly cynical, I don't think the guy believes in God uh, so so much, but it's a cl- quite a cynical take on on a on belief or faith but it also it takes it it's a strange one because it, it's written with the premise of believing that there is a god in order to discount him if you like um and uh, that's quite an interesting space for me as somebody that's got a an understated faith um but is very interested in where creative and the creative imagination can come from from faith and from um uh, writing about it whether you believe in it or not it's a very rich source of creative uh inspiration and there are some particularly lovely and very um deft uh lines in here lyrically that um if people haven't ever heard it before it, it tells a good story well let's have a listen at home in the office in the car wherever you are Welcome back to the Weekend Wind Down. It's the final part of our interview with James Frith this afternoon for our Waffle Hour. Uh, And I'm going to take things in a very, very different direction because we've been in the ancient place of Parliament, uh, a place where, you know, words are important. But your experience with words predates your your time in Parliament. uh, And uh, and we actually shared an experience without realising it one year um, in the year that you took your band to Glastonbury, uh, a Glastonbury which I attended before I even knew you existed. uh, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I did not see your band play. But my goodness, uh, what 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 was that experience like? How did you get there to start with? Well, it was an amazing, um, amazing experience and, and one of the best days of my life, for sure, which started with playing on the new band's tent uh, stage and, and finished watching Radiohead at the Pyramid stage with seeing jimmy cliff in the afternoon um uh, as well so two events was i was a, both at <laughs> so was, i saw jimmy cliff and and radiohead that night as well. yeah it was amazing <laughs> absolutely amazing wasn't it and and uh, the weather much improved as well it was it was a very hot very hot year so um it was awesome i i managed to get um details emily evis's details um uh, i was what 19 no probably 21 uh and i i messaged her and said 
you know, I'd really like to um, send you a demo. And she, to her huge credit, uh, she did. Uh, I think we had a mutual friend of a friend, but it was so tenuous. I didn't mm. expect her to say, yes, you know, go on then, send it. And so we sent the demo and I got a month, maybe six weeks passed. And I was thinking, well, that was that. And I got a phone call while I was out having a pint with my bassist at the time. And we got, I got a phone call from a number we didn't recognise. I was like... And, you know, hello, uh, hi, it's Emily. And I was like, Emily Evis? She's like, yeah. She said, look, we, we've got your stuff and we we like it. You know, we really like the song Discovering a Fire. Um, it, we think it would sound good on the new band stage. And I, I just, I mean, I couldn't believe it. It's one of those conversations you, I mean, you talk about words, you're just thinking, what on earth do I say? You know, you end up saying something stupid like, oh, amazing, thanks, amazing, wow, amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we got invited and then we got part of the, we became part of the sort of machine of it all and we were handed over to the various management of, of the festival and given our various instructions to where to report to, etc. And in those days, the 2003 this was, the, the, the security was, was real, but it wasn't nearly as, as tight as, as it is now. And I think the fence we, had only we, just gone up, hadn't we it? Managed to, we managed to drive on site in a Salford van hire, a big red Salford van, <laughs> Salford van hire, and um, uh, parked next to the tent in order to, so that's my, one of my children's shout, um, part next to the tent in order to off, uh, in order to unload, uh, yeah, he's agreeing with me, um, and, uh, and, and we were then, we then just left the van there for the rest of the time, so we had this, this perfect place to go and collect more beers from the back of the van, or, or, uh, or go and, um, just have a bit of time chilling out, listening to, to the radio or something, it was an amazing, uh, it was an amazing thing, but the, the, does he want to join in, my that, child, that... he wants to join in, yeah, exactly, yeah, um, he's more than welcome, so yeah, that, that was that, but it was an amazing experience, we were half an hour, we were on third, I think, on Saturday, my friends enjoyed mocking me, so Saturday at 11, um, it's 11am instead of pm, which would be a quite a different matter, wouldn't it? Really? <laughs> but it was a great day and it was a great experience. I, th I think that's the thing is that you, you know you've you've got to mutter those immortal words, you know, "Good morning, Glastonbury," and, and that's yeah, exactly. As, yeah. as, as if once you've said that, you, you you've kind of arrived. I mean, it's. Do you think? I mean, that that because uh, I I was in a band at college as well. I was a, I was I was a drummer in a band. We never made it to do anything, but it's something that stays with you being in a band, isn't it? You don't. It doesn't oh, it ever is, quite yeah. leave you. Yeah, it is. And, you know, whilst I am guilty of, of enjoying telling the story, I, I don't live my life with a sort of uh, embitterment in terms of not having made it or whatever making yeah. it um, means. And it was very much an enriching experience um, of my, you know, for 12, 13 years, really, uh, of my young adult life. And the friends, you know, I was best man to one. Um, the, uh, the two of them were best men. Uh, were ushers rather to to me and you know i see them frequently we we enjoy going to gigs together we we are occasionally jamming and i have used lockdown in fact to learn the guitar myself so um that's been you know something that always stays with you you're absolutely right well i'll expect a new album on the way in the uh, in the spring <laughs> <laughs> yeah not, not a, uh, yeah sort of cbb's level of guitar playing from me really um james it's, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this afternoon and it, it does sound like uh, you've got other priorities the wheels the wheels are coming off the silence <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah. before we do go um you've got to, you've recommended uh, badly drawn boy for your final music choice yeah, so Badly Drawn Boy, was, we shared the studio with Badly Drawn Boy um, when Hour of the Bewildered Beast, his first album, his debut album came out. Um, he's a really nice bloke, very shy, 
very unassuming, incredibly talented, I think. Um, sometimes hit and miss at uh, live shows um, because he sort of enjoys a bit of a chat and he's, <laughs> to, to you know, he confesses himself, he sometimes just wants to make it a bit more interesting for himself. Um, but he's got a brand new album out, which is a really strong body of work, a real return to form. Um, and so I thought rather than go for what... Um, others might already know in, in me from the debut album his uh, his latest album banana skin shoes and this is track two is this a dream off that album it's been an absolute pleasure james uh, we'll speak to you very soon cheers paul all the best to you and uh, all the best to everybody listening 104.7 rossendale radio and there you have it. Another Waffle the Bite Size podcast comes to an end. Uh, it was fascinating to talk to James Frith about his time in Parliament and about making speeches and about really writing things for an, a different audiences. And of course, uh, all of those fantastic memories uh, that we share uh, for, of that uh, Glastonbury 2003. Uh, but uh, his was from a very, very different perspective. Uh, my thanks as ever go to everybody that makes Waffle the Bite Size podcast possible. Thank you very much to Lee Ball with your assistance and for Melanie Kemp for all your hard work editing the podcast. Our thanks as well of course go to our friends at Rossendale Radio for allowing us to broadcast across the airwaves every week. We will be back with another great guest next week. See you soon.